Loving our kids is a given for most parents, but how we love our kids and how they love us, now that brings some dynamics into the parent-child relationship that we may not have thought of before. Though loving our kids may be a given, adequately understanding their love languages may not be. So let's see if we can translate for you today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential therapeutic program working with teens in crisis and with their families. Our goal, to take the lessons learned inside the gates of Shepherds Hill, outside the gates, and equip you to be the kind of parent your teen needs and the kind of parent God wired you to be. Our host on Licensed to Parent, as always, is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill Academy, Trace Embry. And uh, Trace, you and I each have five children, so potentially that's a lot of love languages. <laughs> did uh, We didn't, but did you ever consider your children's love languages when you were raising them? Well, I'd like to be able to say I did, Rich, but to be perfectly honest, I... I we we kind of came to love languages a little later. I did. I was, yeah, I was a late bloomer to all that. Uh, my daughter approached me with Gary Chapman's book, uh, The Five Love Languages, several years ago. Uh, I think I may have instinctively kind of lucked into it. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, after being familiar with the concepts, it's it's certainly true that all my kids definitely have different love languages. Uh, what's yours, Rich? Well, I'm not completely certain that I can limit it to one, um, I've, and, and we'll find out if I'm totally off base on this in just a moment, but I respond to a few of the ones that, uh, mm -hmm. that Dr. Chapman refers to in his books, uh, affirmation and physical touch, both. Mm -hmm. I love giving gifts to show my love, which may not be well received by like people. Who, you, you like getting them. Well, Trace, I love you, but that's not how. I, I don't know if it's good or bad. Dr. Chapman perhaps can, uh, can unveil some of that, and as we have already given away our guest today is a man well known for his influential book, The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. Now that came out about 20 years ago. Millions of readers have credited that book with saving their marriages. And of course, that led to other special editions that reach out specifically to singles, to men, to parents of teens and young children. There's even a military edition that's uh, come out recently. Uh, Dr. Chapman is the author of numerous other books as well, published by Moody Publishers and Northfield Publishing. He speaks to thousands of couples nationwide through his weekend marriage conferences, as well as through his nationally syndicated radio program, A Love Language Minute, and a Saturday morning program, Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, both of these programs airing on more than 400 stations. Uh, Dr. Chapman and his wife have two grown children. They currently live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where he serves as Senior Associate Pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. Well, Dr. Chapman, welcome to the Licensed Apparent Broadcast. Well, thank you, Trace, Rich. It's good to be with both of you today. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, many people are aware of your concept of the five love languages, but uh, for those who aren't, can you please familiarize us uh, in our audience with what you mean by love languages? You know, the basic idea is that what makes one person feel loved doesn't necessarily make another person feel loved. And I propose that each of us has a language that really speaks to the heart more deeply than anything else. And I discovered in my own counseling and research that there's fundamentally five languages of love, five different ways to express love emotionally. And if you don't speak the person's primary love language, they may not feel loved, even though you're speaking some of the other languages. Mm -hmm. So to parents, for example, I say, uh, you know, the question is not, do you love your children? 
uh, almost all parents love their children. Sure. The question is, do the children feel loved? Right. Is it really connecting with them? And I think that's why this series of books has been so helpful to people. It helps them do effectively what they're trying to do anyway. You know, they're, they're trying to express love. This simply helps them do it in an effective manner. I see. Can you share exactly what the five love languages are, uh, basically? Sure. One of them is words of affirmation, mm-hmm. using words to affirm the other person, whether it's a child or whether it's your spouse. It's looking for things about them that you can honestly, genuinely affirm. Okay. It may be uh, the way they look. It may be something they've done. It may be something about their personality. But you're looking for things that you can affirm them. This is genuinely affirm. This is not the everyone's a winner idea. No, absolutely. You know, love has to be sincere. Right. Uh, I mean, children especially, and teenagers especially, can tell if you're just trying to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, love is an honest effort to communicate something positive to the other person that you genuinely care about them, and that you see them as being valuable. Mm-hmm. So words of affirmation is one way to do that. Okay. Another love language is acts of service, doing something to help them. Uh, in a marriage, that's such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, and all those kind of things. For me, it's uh, taking children, out the garbage. <laughs> taking yeah, out the taking garbage. Taking out the garbage, <laughs> right, yes. With children, it may be mending doll dresses or mm-hmm. fixing bicycle chains or, you know, anything. Sure. And, and then you also speak this language by helping them learn how to do things they would like to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. So acts of service is doing things for people that are helpful. Uh, You know the old saying, actions speak louder than words? Sure. That's true for some people. Mm -hmm. It's not true for all people. If words of affirmation is your language, then words is more important. But for some people, words don't mean a lot. It's what you do to Mm -hmm. me that helps me, uh, that makes me feel loved. So acts of service. Mm -hmm. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. One of my... uh, Academic areas of study is anthropology. I did an undergrad and a master's degree in anthropology before I studied counseling and theology. We've never found a culture where gift-giving is not an expression of love. Mm. Uh, The gift says, uh, they were thinking about me. Look, look what they got from me. So gifts is a language. And then there's quality time, by which I mean you give the person your undivided attention. Mm. Uh, With a child, it means you have to go to where they are. If they're little, it means you go to the floor because that's where they are. As they get older, it's going to bicycles or sandboxes or sports or Mm -hmm. uh, wherever they are. And if you go to where they are, you can give them your undivided attention. And for some people, this is what makes them feel loved. Mm -hmm. And then there's physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies and hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. And long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by physical touch. In in your book, The Five Love Languages, you wrote primarily to husbands and wives in mind, I think. But uh, why is it so important that we get this one right first, the husband and wife relationship, uh, regardless of how many kids we have? Well, I think that's the fundamental relationship in the family. You know, the husband and wife are there before the children arrive, and they're going to be together after the children are gone, at least, you know, if we both live and are healthy. Uh, So that's the fundamental relationship. The other reason it's so important is that your model to your children of how you love each other 
is the most powerful thing you can give them mm-hmm. about how marriage works and how human relationships work. If they hear and see you loving each other, apologizing when you fail to love, reconciling with each other, working through your difficulties, you are giving them a tremendous model of what it's like to have good relationships. Sure. I'm curious about something with this, though. As as husbands and wives, we each have our own love languages, let's say. But if those are not the love languages of our kids, will our children see our demonstrations of love as being just that, demonstrations of love? Well, what they may do is they may learn that particular language. That is, they may learn what you see. For example, let's take gifts. If a, if a son grows up in a home where he sees his father giving his wife gifts for birthday and anniversary and all of those things, but just on special days he gives her gifts, then he may learn to speak that language. It doesn't mean that it's what he wants, that it's his language, but he learned that simply by observing his father. That's why you can't assume that what a person does, likes to do or normally does in speaking love is really what they want because maybe they simply learned that particular language from their parents. What what about, uh, I mentioned at the beginning that I am a person who, I I don't feel that I fit into one love language category exclusively. I I think I respond to a few. Is that that typical, or am I just imagining that? (laughs) Well, I, I I think two things. Typically, a person has one that stands out a bit more than the others, and that's what I call the primary love language. But we can also have a secondary love language that's very, very close. And sometimes if we get enough of number one, then number two seems to be even more important. But if they stop doing number one, you're going to quickly know, oh, no, 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 that, that, that is my primary mm, language. Gotcha. Please go back to that. <laughs> mm. uh, but let's face it, we can receive love in all five of these languages. Sure. Uh, but I do think we have a predominant language, and then we have a secondary language. And, and, you know, the others can be rather close. If you grew up in a home, for example, where you received all five of these, then it's pretty natural and normal that you, as an adult, can receive love in all five of these languages. Sure. Uh, so even though we have a primary language, it doesn't mean the others are unimportant. What I say is, give heavy doses of the primary then sprinkle in the other four for extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to point out, by the way, my true love language is potato salad, but I don't, I don't see that in your writings at all. Well, that depends on whether you made it. It's an act of service if you there made you it. Go. If they bought it, it's a gift. Okay, well, yeah, good point. Good point. I'll, I'll make note of that. Do you ever run across situations where husbands and wives view their kids' love languages differently? And... Uh, they can't really come together. No, he, I think he really likes gifts. No, he really wants your time, uh, Bob, or whatever. Yeah. And, and how do you and I think counsel? The reason for that is uh, is that a child kind of learns as they grow up that if you want a hug, you go to mama. Mm-hmm. If you want uh, a good attaboy, you go to daddy. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's why that's why the dad's giving attaboys. You know, he's giving words of affirmation because he thinks that's the kid's language because the kid really smiles when he does that. Mm-hmm. And mother's giving hugs because he comes to her hugging her. And so that's why we as parents often will differ on what we think the child's love language is. I see. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's why, you know, in the book and also online at fivelovelanguages.com, we have little quizzes that you can take, the child can take, the teenager can take, the single adult, the married adult can take, uh, that kind of helps you decide wh- which is the primary language. Interesting. Cool. 
How does our American word love uh, get lost in translation between parents and their kids these days, especially in light of today's postmodern and highly sexualized culture? I mean, in the Greek, there are, there are several terms for the, the one word that we have in, here in, uh, in English for love. Uh, can, can you flesh that out for us? You know, I think in today's world, uh, in our culture in particular, love is used in so many ways that it's mm-hmm. almost uh, it's ambiguous. Sure. You know, we talk about loving hot dogs. Yeah, right. <laughs> or loving my dog, mm-hmm. or loving the beach, or loving the mountains, or, yeah. you know, all this stuff. Uh, and I think we have to almost define what we mean by love. What kind of love are we talking about? You know, in, the in-love experience is one one thing. But the long-term love that's intentional in a marriage is another thing, another kind of love. But what we're talking about here, and I think almost everyone agrees on this, that our, that our fundamental emotional need on the human level is to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. If you're married, that means your spouse uh, and your children. If you're a child, it means feeling loved by your parents and your siblings. But the significant people in our lives, if we feel loved by the significant people in our lives, life is beautiful. But if we don't feel loved, then life becomes a struggle. Uh, For example, with with children and teenagers, if that child grows up in a home where they feel loved by their parents, they grow up normally. But if they grow up in a home where they don't feel loved, they grow up with many internal struggles. In the teenage years, they typically will go looking for love. Sure. And, and usually they look in the wrong places and get yeah. into trouble. Mm-hmm. So it's exceedingly important that we meet this emotional need for love. And that's what the five love languages is designed to help parents do. And that is a great uh, pausing point right there. Uh, we've got to take a break here on License to Parent. We're talking with Dr. Gary Chapman, author, conference speaker, radio host, and church pastor. He is the author of the book series we lovingly refer to as The Five Love Languages. You can find those books, the live events, and even more free resources on his website, fivelovelanguages.com. This is License to Parent, back with more conversation right after this. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens, have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. prison? Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. 
You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at licensedtoparent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent, Dr. Gary Chapman, author, conference speaker, radio host, church pastor, author of the book series, The Five Love Languages. And once again, you can find out more about that and even get some great free resources on his website, fivelovelanguages.com. Well, well, Dr. Chapman, uh, we've already uh, conceded that people can have two or three uh, love languages. How do parents best discern the preeminent love language in each other and in their kids when their spouse or their kids exhibit more than, than one or, or like all five? Yeah. Well, I say three things. Number one, observe the behavior of the other person. Okay. Uh, because chances are three out of four, what they're doing to other people is what they would like someone to do for them. Mm-hmm. For example, if they're always giving other people affirming, encouraging words, then three out of four times, that's their language. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're always giving people pats on the back or high fives, you can assume physical touch is their language. So observe their behavior. Secondly, what do they complain about most often? For example, if a wife says to a husband, we don't ever spend any time together anymore. We're like two ships passing in the night. Mm. She's, she's complaining that they don't have quality time. See, she's right. giving him her, her love language. We tend to get defensive when a wife says that. It's husbands, but really they're giving us valuable information. Mm-hmm. So what do they complain about, whether it's a spouse or a child? And then what do they request of you most often? I if see. they're saying to you, can we take a walk tonight after dinner, they're asking you for quality time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you put those three together, whether it's a parent or a child, and you can pretty well determine which one of those is the most important to them. Now, here's another way. You can play a little game in which you say to the other person, on a scale, if, if you've discussed the five love languages, you say, on a scale of zero to ten, how full is your love tank? You can say this to a seven-year-old if they understand this concept. How full is your love tank? <laughs> and if they say anything less than ten, you say, what could I do to help fill it? Sure. And they give you a suggestion. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you keep a record of those suggestions, you'll find they fall into one of them, into a pattern, one of them more predominant than the other. That's good counsel. So it's not, not that difficult, really, to, to determine. And let me just say this about children. If you observe children's behavior, you can pretty much pick up on their love language by the time they're three or four years old. Yeah. For example, my son's language is physical touch. When I would come home when he was about that age, I'd walk in the house. He'd run to me. He'd grab my legs. He'd climb up on me. If I sat <laughs> down, he was all over me. He's touching me because yeah. he wants to be touched. Right. My daughter never did that. She would say at that age, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. Come into my room, Daddy. I want to show you something. Mm-hmm. She wanted my undivided attention. Mm-hmm. She wanted quality time. So uh, if you pick up on it pretty early with a child and start giving them heavy doses of that primary uh, and then sprinkling the other four, because we want the child to learn how to receive love and give love in all five languages. That's the healthiest adult. 
hmm. is the one who received all five and knows how sure. to give all five. Well, should should parents expect their kids to pick up on their own love languages, or, or should this be a one-way street until a certain age? I mean, I, I guess... I the, think, yeah, I think as children get old enough, and this can be, it doesn't have to be very old, five or six years old, mm-hmm. you can you can get, they can get the concept, mommy has a love tank, mommy has a love language, daddy has a love language, sister has a love language. In our family, we're going to learn how to love each other and keep each other's love tanks full so we can have a happy family. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can permeate the family, and it, but it needs to go both ways, let's yeah. face it. Parents need to feel loved by their kids, <laughs> and as they get to be teenagers sometimes, we don't feel loved because, right. you know, they're going through all those changes sure. that teenagers go through. Sure. I'm curious about this. We've got uh, a world that has morphed into two-parent incomes, very busy lifestyles, not only among mom and dad, but uh, also amongst the kids. Um, in this busy, hustle-bustle type of world, is there something that parents can do to better serve their kids who might require the acts of service or that quality time? It's, it is really hard mm-hmm. to pull that off. Yeah. Well, I think the first issue is to make sure you understand the concept and you understand the child's primary love language. Because if you don't, if you just do what comes natural, maybe you hit it, maybe you don't. You know, let's face it, there's been a whole lot of healthy children that grew up before the five love languages came along, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and, and many couple, many families and couples learn how to speak love to the child, and the child feels loved, and they just kind of do this in a natural way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the busy world that we live in, it's even more important that we understand the concept and understand that with Johnny, I've got to give him heavy doses of this, and, and that means I've got to make time to do this. But listen... You know, God would not have given us children if there were not time to raise them. Hmm, So there's enough time to have a job and make a living and raise children. Now, we may have to realize we can't do everything, and we may have to cut off some things in our our lives. Uh, But we've got time to be good husbands and wives to each other, and we've got time to raise our children in a healthy way. Favorite mantra of our family, for lack of a better word, is uh, you can do... Anything you want, you just can't do everything you want. And so it's a matter, <laughs> yeah. matter of priority, I guess. You know, I, I, we've got a lot of friends where uh, the dads are working and the moms, at least for a season, are staying home. They uh, might be what people refer to as soccer moms, taking their kids to the games, the practices, music recitals, church activities, and all that sort of thing. That sort of makes for an imbalance in how much time mom is spending with the kids versus dad. Is that a problem? Do dads need to somehow really kick it in and spend a lot more? Or if the love languages are being reflected by the parents collectively, are we doing a good job? Well, I think uh, most fathers have to consciously think about spending time with their children because we do get caught up in our vocations. And sometimes we wake up and realize, you know, the kids are 15 now, and they're having problems. And I, well, I thought everything was okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, the father really never developed a very close relationship with the child. We have limited time, obviously, as fathers. If, you have the, if the mother stays at home, she has much more time. But again, this is where understanding the child's primary love language is very helpful to that father. Mm-hmm. Because with the time he does have, now he knows how best to invest that time sure. and energy in sure. loving that child. 
I'm reminded uh, just uh, how much Scripture talks about the need for love. You know, if we do all these things but have not love, mm-hmm. you know, it's nothing. Yep. So this, is, I think that really underscores what yeah. we've been talking about today. Well, I was going to ask you, how do you best love a narcissistic kid without feeding into his <laughs> narcissism? But maybe maybe that's exactly what you do. You you love the kid unselfishly to where, I mean, you, you tell me. I, I, uh, yep. I, I've seen it work both ways. Uh, what's been your experience? I think that's it. I think you love that child in their love language, and you teach them how to love others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if we don't meet the need for the love, the, the children who get in trouble many, many times are children that did not feel love growing up. I remember I was speaking in a prison once, and I said I would like to explain, it was all men, I said I'd like to explain to you guys why you either felt loved or didn't feel loved growing up. And that's the context in which I shared the five love languages. And when I got through, a young man stood up. I judged him to be about 30. He said, I want to thank you for coming because for the first time in my life, I finally understand my mother loves me. Hmm. He said, I realize as you were talking, my language is physical touch, but my mother never touched me. He said, the only hug I ever remember getting from my mother was the day I left for prison. Hmm. He said, but... You spoke about that acts of service language. My mother spoke that. She was a single mom. She had a full-time job. She kept food on the table. She washed my clothes, and tears came to his eyes. He said, Mama loved me. I just didn't get it. Yeah. I just didn't get it. I've seen that, too. For our listeners out there, you know, we we live in a a world that is is really just a uh, giving itself over to digital technology. And uh, I want to ask you, what love language do you think is in jeopardy the most with this digital invasion? Well, I think quality time, probably, because mm-hmm. we, uh, you know, we're, we're not looking people in the face. We're not getting the the nuances of a conversation with somebody when we're doing it in tweeting or online, which is not to say that there's not that's not helpful. I mean, we're sharing information and we're staying in touch, to be sure. But it's very different from sitting down and having lunch with someone or sitting down and having a conversation with someone. You know, recently I just released a book called Growing Up Social, Raising Relational Kids in a Screen-Driven World, mm. uh, which I think is so needed in today's world. Parents have to learn that there has to be boundaries, there has to be time boundaries. And if you simply allow a child to spend all of their free time playing video games, they're not going to develop the social skills they need to re- to make it in the real world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think we're just coming to grips with that in our culture. And I think all parents are realizing, you know, man, I've got to, I've got to figure out how to handle this. Right. We've been talking about that for years uh, here at Shepherd's Hill Academy, and that's that's why the kids live in the woods. They're they're totally unplugged. They have no uh, access to that stuff, and we can see those those uh, parts of the brain actually rebuild. And so uh, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. But we only have a few seconds left, and I want to ask you in the area of love languages with our kids, uh, what you'd like to share with our listeners in the remaining seconds that we have? Well, I would just say I think that the most fundamental contribution you can make emotionally to your children is to make sure they feel loved. Yeah. And I think the love, five love languages can help you do that in an effective manner. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you are meeting the most fundamental emotional need of your child. Amen. 
Our guest today has been Dr. Gary Chapman, author, conference speaker, radio host, and church pastor. As I said earlier, Dr. Chapman is author of the book series that we love to refer to as The Five Love Languages, and there are several different iterations of that book. You can find them all, as well as his other books, his live events, and even some great free resources I'd like you to check out on his website, fivelovelanguages.com. And Dr. Chapman, thanks so much for taking time to be with us thank today. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Trace and Rich. Good to be with you, and you guys keep up the good work. Thank you. God bless you. And you can find us on our website at licensedparent.org. We are regularly adding more great parenting resources to help equip you to be the kind of parent that your teen needs and the kind of parent that God has wired you to be. While you're on our site, please remember also that in order to continue our service to teens and their families, and in order to continue this radio outreach, we need your help. So would you take a moment today and prayerfully consider whether God might be leading you to become one of our ministry partners? Your monthly support or your one-time gift would go such a long way in helping families in need. You can give securely online at licensedtoparent.org when you click on the Donate button. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rossell. Thanks so much for listening, and please join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.